Hello, and welcome back to the Economic Review. Now, to start off today, I'd like to talk about the filibuster. In 1787, during the Constitutional Convention, James Madison, who's often referred to as the father of the Constitution, described the Senate as a, quote, necessary fence, which would protect the people against their rulers and from the transient impressions into which they themselves might be led. George Hoare, who served as a senator from Massachusetts from 1877 to 1904, said that the Senate was created so that, quote, the sober second thought of the people might find expression and to, quote, resist the hasty, intemperate, passionate desire of the people. The Senate was created to be a slow-moving, deliberate legislative body where the voice of the minority is heard and the laws are scrutinized, debated, and passed only after a consensus is reached. It was set up to be a balance to the House of Representatives, where the majority rules. Destroying the filibuster would destroy the very purpose of the Senate. Proponents of destroying the filibuster maintain that it is obstructionist. Writing for the Brennan Center of Justice in October of 2020, Caroline Fredrickson wrote, quote, During the Obama administration, Senate Republicans took obstruction to a new level, using the filibuster more than ever in history. But the use of the tactic had been climbing even before Obama became president, prompting recent presidents of both parties to use executive orders and other administrative tools to circumvent Congress. Given that the executive branch has increasingly moved away from legislative initiatives because of Senate obstruction, the filibuster continues to undermine a real democracy, end quote. In a way, she's correct. But that's because America was never supposed to be a pure democracy. Famously, when Benjamin Franklin was asked what kind of government the founding fathers who created, he responded, quote, a republic, if you can keep it. The founders built a system of government that was supposed to force consensus and compromise. Never was America to be run by 51% pure majoritarian rule. Those pushing for the removal of the filibuster complained that the Senate is too slow and nothing ever gets done. If the Senate were a pure majoritarian body like the House, Democrats would pass entirely uncompromising progressive legislation when in power, only to have it repealed and replaced by a conservative agenda as soon as Republicans gained a majority. Engulfed in this perpetual cycle, a filibuster-free Senate would give the American people whiplash. Rachel Bovard, writing for the Heritage Foundation in April of 2017, wrote the quote, The framers designed the Senate to be a consensus-driven body. If a majority party knows they need to garner 60 votes to end debate on a bill, the necessity of working across the aisle, negotiating and finding areas of agreement becomes imperative rather than optional. Without the filibuster as a tool of negotiation, the Senate becomes little more than a smaller version of the House of Representatives, where legislation reflects the priorities of the majority with little concern to, with little regards to the concerns of the minority. Even President Joe Biden, who has recently called the filibuster, quote, a relic of Jim Crow, previously defended the filibuster. He said, quote, the framers sought not to ensure a simple majority rule, but to allow minority views, whether they are conservative, liberal, or moderate, to have an enduring role in the Senate in order to check the excesses of the majority. Now, moving on, I'd like to discuss the S-1 voting bill. Now, Article 1 of the U.S. Constitution grants state legislators the power to establish the times, places, and manner of congressional elections. However, this so-called election clause also says that Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations. The Democrats are basing their entire argument for S-1, the, quote, For the People Act, on this sentence. In the past, 
there have been times when the federal government overruled state election law, most notably in 2013 Supreme Court case Arizona versus Intertribal Council of Arizona. However, Justice Antonin Scalia wrote the quote, prescribing voter qualification forms, no part of the power to be conferred upon the national government by the elections clause. Alexander Hamilton, writing in Federalist 59, asserted that the elections clause granted power, quote, in the first instance to the local administrations and merely reserved the national authority a right to interpose whenever extraordinary circumstances might render that interposition necessary to its safety. He also described federal election legislation as, quote, a last resort. The For the People Act is not in response to, quote, extraordinary circumstances or because it is, quote, necessary to the union's safety. The party pushing the legislation is the party that won the last election. The system worked. The Democrats are pushing S1 to federalize elections and ensure that they never lose another election. They are doing this through the establishment of federal voter qualifications under the heading, quote, democracy restoration. The bill would establish automatic voter registration and provide felons with the right to vote. In the aforementioned intertribal council case, Justice Clarence Thomas argued that registration is a matter of, quote, qualifications, not manner. S1 would also prohibit states from requiring photo IDs to vote. Democrats from Stacey Abrams to Joe Biden have called legislation to, re- to require an ID to vote racist and Jim Crow 2.0. Despite this, a poll done by Monmouth University shows that 80% of voters support legislation requiring a photo ID to vote. Of course, now that the polling is against them, Democrats are backtracking and trying to act as if they never opposed photo ID legislation. S1 would also enshrine ballot harvesting as an approved practice. This is despite polling that shows that 83% of voters, including 68% of Democrats, oppose the practice of ballot harvesting. The For the People Act would also use taxpayer dollars to fund political campaigns, forcing Americans to indirectly give money to politicians they may strongly disagree with, raising questions about whether or not the legislation violates the First Amendment. The bill would also support the admitting of Washington, D.C. as a state, a ploy by Democrats to add new t- two new Democratic senators from the Deep Blue District. Groups such as the ACLU have come out against the bill, saying that some part of it, quote, unconstitutionally infringes on the free speech rights of American citizens and the public interest organizations. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce has also spoken out against the bill, asserting that it is, quote, fundamentally incompatible with the American tradition and principles enshrined in our Constitution. Simply put, S-1, the For the People Act, is anti-constitutional and anti-American. The United States of America is not a democracy. It's a constitutional republic. Our strength lies in the balance of power between the federal government and the 50 state governments. The Democrats seek to strengthen the federal government and weaken state governments through the For the People Act, further consolidating their own power over the American people. Once they've solidified their own majority in D.C., they will then move on to passing other parts of their agenda. If the battle to safeguard and secure our elections is lost, so is the whole war. Once the Democrats have secured a permanent majority, the rest of our debate is in vain. The Democrats are constantly accusing Republicans of working to disenfranchise minority voters. In reality, it is the Democrats who are trying to disenfranchise the voters by ensuring that their own victories are all but predetermined. Samuel Adams called voting, quote, one of the most solemn trusts in human society for which a person is accountable to God and to his country. S1 would destroy our system of elections for the benefit of a few career politicians.
Senator Joe Kennedy might have said it best when he said that the For the People Act should have been called the, quote, Screw the People Act. Thank you for listening to the Economic Review. We'll be back soon with the latest.